So, um, yeah. because I wanted a lot of girls, you know, back when we were kids, we didn't have YouTube like we have now, like, right? Like, so oh, yeah. it wasn't, it was too new for, for all the subscribing and consistency and stuff like that, like, like now. And then, but anyways, like now you can just search how to get a girl or how to have game, right? And like, right. I never, I always wanted to do it as a kid, but I did, even when I did it, I couldn't find anything. But now I can find stuff, right? So like when I was 22 to 25, that's when I started looking up. How do you, how do you get, well, 25, I'm not gonna lie to myself. At 25, <laughs> after college, I looked up yeah. how to get girls and they said, don't wear superhero shirts. Like that's, don't wear childish stuff. Like, so what, how I dress, uh, you know, how, just how I dress in general, they said, that's how you get girls. Not like wearing kid stuff. So I stopped wearing kid stuff that I love to wear. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's so much variety today. But you found a girl that likes you for who you are. So you don't have to worry about that now. Yeah, I told her I'm going to start wearing superhero shirts now. I'm about to get married. I'm good. But, but then she was like, dang, that's how it is. <laughs> You know, something that's popular now is to wear, like, casual T-shirts uh, or, like, as you say, like, childish T-shirts with, like, a blazer. And mm. that looks pretty good, too. The way he made it sound, he was making it sound like he was just going to be done trying at all. <laughs> that's what he made it sound like. So I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah friend. <laughs> I have to come defend myself. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. You don't want that to happen. Yeah, man. I just, I wanted to, you know, I just want to be the most sharp dressed person in the room, man. So if, if that's not the case, I don't want to, I, I want. I need to change clothes. But I think when I wear this, I look good. So I'm just, I don't care no more. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, you ready, man? Oh, go you ahead. Can look, yeah, you can look good or confident in anything. You just have to own it. Right. Yeah. All right, guys. You should have never seen any of that, but me and Justin just talking. All right. And so welcome back to my YouTube channel, Uplift Past Crossroads. Thanks for tuning in. You guys rock. You already know what we're doing. Uh, you know, for my church, Scott's Chapel and me in Hermitage, Tennessee, we've been doing uh, Sunday school lessons on the book of Nehemiah, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter of the Bible. But right now we're in the book of Nehemiah and we're in chapter three still. We've been in chapter three for a few weeks now because there's so much stuff to take out from chapter three. But with Justin and with Terry, I've been going back and doing verse by verse studies of Nehemiah again so we can really pull out everything that God's trying to say through the word. Because you can only pull out so much in a study. And with them too, like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I can pull out and get all the gems and all the nuggets in one setting like crazy with Justin and Terry around. So, yeah, so check out this playlist on my YouTube channel for more on the book of Nehemiah. And then also I have a playlist on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads, on the book of Nehemiah as well. And then we're focusing on Nehemiah chapter 1 today. So I have another playlist, Nehemiah chapter 1. So as you can see on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads, I have a lot of playlists, okay? So, yeah, so here goes my other social media pages. Make sure to subscribe, follow me on all of them and all that stuff and then also here goes justin's social media pages as well so this is his uh facebook page chaplain's logs so subscribe to his youtube channel watch all his videos like all his content and comment as well same thing for his facebook page i always do that i always show mine instead of yours but here goes justin's facebook page make sure to befriend him on there and send him a dm let him let him know how he did on this video and how we do on all our videos but let's go ahead and get to it guys so again 
we're in the book of Nehemiah chapter, uh, chapter one. And today we're going to focus on verse two, right? Because the last video we did, we focused on verse one. And now it's just verse two, because there's so much you can take from this text. So, Justin, you think I should just read verse two or just read all the verses again? Uh, maybe read all the verses and get some context in the middle. All right. So, yeah, because it is a new video. So let's do it. All right. Do you want to read, by the way? You want to split it? It is 11 verses. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. I think that'd be fine. All right. So you can read. I'll let you read one through six or one through seven, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I can do that. All right. All right. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Anani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of those who, with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servant, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Verse 8 of Nehemiah chapter 1, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commanded thou servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my covenants and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thou servants and thou people whom thou hast redeemed by thou great power and by thou strong hand. The last verse, verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thou servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. And by the way, Justin, were you reading from the NIV? Yeah, I was. Okay, Justin was reading from the NIV, and I was reading from the King James Version. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't read verse 8, man, because that part, that that's the worst verse to read in the King James Version. Because, oh, was... my gosh. <laughs> like, last study, I butchered the mess out of that verse, man. Mm. So, but anyways. All right, guys, so we're focusing on verse 2 in today's video. Uh, that Han and I, one of my brethren, came. He and a certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning of the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. All right. So, uh, before I Justin even starts talking with th this verse and this context, man, like uh, we know that Nehemiah was a bear, and he was in Susha, the the palace of the Persians. Right? It's one of their palaces. They had two, as far as I know, they probably had more, and their palaces were. Uh, places that they uh, took from the Babylonians who they took out, right? 
So anyways, this was their winter capital, Susha. And then also we know that this is Susha is where Esther was in a pageant for the king to be the king's wife. So it's a lot of context just starting. The, it's a lot of stories in the Bible in, in Susha, basically. But anyways, that's beside the point. So Nehemiah, all right, he's in the palace and he's the king's cupbearer. And then he's asking about Jerusalem, right? So he's a cupbearer. He has it good. <laughs> he's living a life. Like he's close to the king, he has connections with the king. Uh, he's in a high position. He probably has making a pretty good wage. And even though his job is risky, a lot of people's jobs are risky, but they make good pay, right? So uh, he had food and he had housing, right? So a lot of people did not have shelter. And fun fact, in ancient time period, a lot of people starved, but there's no way Nehemiah did if he always had to eat with the king eat and drink whatever the king ate and drink before he ate and drink. You guys get what I'm saying? So that's what a cupbearer is. All right. So that's the context and the setting of the story. So yeah, let's go ahead. You go ahead, Justin, if you want to say something with verse two. Yeah, just from verse two. Like, like and I like how uh, his brother comes back and he just shows a concern for the Jewish people, like I'm sure they talked about other things as well, but I like how it goes straight into his concern for his people. Like he questioned Hanani, like what, how are the Jewish remnants? And he, if you read down in his prayer as well, of the promises of God, where the remnants will be, what will happen to the people if they disobey God, he's very educated on the history of the people and like where they're at. So I'm sure he's very well informed, especially living in the palace, of what people are doing. So I do just enjoy that he shows passion to them throughout. Like, obviously, he shows more compassion starting in verses three and four, but for verse two, like, you already have a taste of, he wouldn't act unless he really cared about them first. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun fact, guys. Like, with Hannah and I, we see that Nehemiah called him his brother. So theologians and commentarians and preachers, we don't know any scholars. I don't care who they are. Nobody knows that that's his actual brother, right? It just says one of his brethren. So it could mean like just another fellow Israelite, right? So that's his people, his brethren. So yeah, I just want to throw that out there. But uh, one of my main points I got with verse two is, you know, if Jerusalem was special to God, then it would also be special to Nehemiah. So Nehemiah had a heart for God and for the things of God. And that reminds me of David. You know, David's considered and he's called a man after God's own heart. So if you're a child of God, you know, uh, your heart would break for the same things that God's, that, that breaks God's heart, right? So you would want to do something about the things that aren't right in God's sight on this earth, right? Because as believers, we're called to make sure that everybody's experiencing and we're experiencing heaven here on earth right we're supposed to be bringing god into people's lives with his love and the way we interact with people the way we live and have our being dwell and have our being you know so like <laughs> you know we have a hard time understanding jerusalem the way that we should and so did nehemiah like again uh i don't want to spoil it but just quick setting 150 years before nehemiah was even around right? The Israelites became captives to the Babylonians. And then after that, the Bab uh, Babylonians 
uh, got took out by the Persians, which King Xerxes, the king that we see in Nehemiah, uh, and who Nehemiah is a cupbearer for, the Persians took out the Babylonians. So now they're the world power, right? And so 90 years before Nehemiah, the people went back to Jerusalem, the city that was uh, devastated and was in ruins and that Nehemiah is hearing about in verse two, right? And so he's still hearing that the city's walls are still down. The city is still in ruins after 150 years, but they've been back for 90 years, right? So why is it still in ruins? Why hasn't anybody done anything? So it's breaking his heart, right? Because it shouldn't be like this for God's city out of all the cities on, in the world, right? Where God's people are, it should be showing and it, and it should be resembling and it should it should be just a place where you're experiencing God, you know, wherever God's people are, right? So it's a problem if that's not the case, right? So, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. I know I'm going to say that a little bit more, but, you know, if God's going to deliver a nation, he first wants to get in the heart of one man, right? So maybe your heart is breaking for something, right? Maybe your heart is burdened for something, like Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. That's mean God's calling you to do something about it. A lot of people want to complain and whine to pastors and churches and say, you're not doing it right. You know, even with my YouTube channel, I'm pretty sure somebody's like, man, you ain't doing it right, man. You you ain't teaching it. You do, you do it, right? Like God's calling you to do it. If you're that passionate about it, you shouldn't be trolling people online. And that's all you do with your life, just trolling people, commenting, saying what they should do. You are, you, you judge. No, you ain't. That's not how you should be living. Right. God didn't call anybody to do that. Run your race. Right. You do what God's called you to do. God's calling to any ministry always begins in the heart of one individual. So, again, what's in your heart? You know, God begins every work in the heart of, a, of, a, of the person who is looking at him. Right. So if you're not looking at him, if you're not focused on him, he can't begin his work. So that means you ain't doing his work. Like so that just goes with everything I just said right now. But that that reminds me of Psalms. Uh, verse 37, verse 4, you know, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Reason why a lot of people don't have any desire, reason why a lot of people don't know what their purpose is or what they should be doing in this life is because they haven't delighted themselves in the Lord. They hasn't they haven't taken delight in the Lord, right? They haven't uh they don't know what <laughs> they don't they don't know God's love, so they don't know how to operate. In God's love in this world, in this world, and so one thing I want to say too is, you know, desire is a direct, is a clear directive from God. So I butchered that. Desire is a clear directive from God. So, if you know, when you have desire, you have passion, and something's really sparked inside of you, that just shows that God is speaking to you. God abides in you, and He's seeking, and you you've been seeking Him above all things. Now it's time to do something about it, right? Nehemiah didn't just talk about it. Nehemiah didn't just uh, think about it. Nehemiah didn't just cry about it. No, he did something about it, right? A lot of people in Israel, I'm pretty sure, for 150 years, guys, they've been back for 90 years. I'm pretty sure there's been a lot of people before Nehemiah that wanted to do something about the walls being down in all Jerusalem, in God's city. I'm pretty sure a lot of them wanted to clean up the rubbish that was around the temple. It was just the temple there. That was it in Jerusalem. That's disappointing. After 150 years, we've been there for 90 years and nothing still hasn't happened. 70 years before Nehemiah, the temple was rebuilt, but the walls are still down. That is a problem. Like that is, that is a huge problem. So like guys, like what's the life application? You know, 
what do people get excited about or what are you, what are they passionate about? You know, where are people's hearts right now and what gets everybody intense, right? And that's football or basketball, right? Cars, dating, marriage, sex, celebrity, women, uh, even politics and technology, right? A lot of the, people got a lot of passions, right? About different stuff, money, finances, investing, uh, savings, even the end times. More people are concerned about the end times than loving their neighbor. More people are more concerned about knowledge and obtaining knowledge about the Bible instead of actually living it and it, it, it really applying it, right? There's, there's a lot of people like that. More, most people, a lot of people are related, uh, interested in learning more about uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, I think that's his name, or uh, any, any murder cases or serial killers. Like, that's a channel on TV, a few channels that just focus on serial killers and murders and stuff like that or accomplishments and looks like everybody got different passions right so what are you excited about what do you care about what do you find yourself thinking a lot about and what get and what gets you upset and so whatever your answer is to these questions reveals where your heart is and jesus even said that where your heart is is where your treasure is right so a lot of people feel like their life isn't you know filled with treasures or anything their life isn't a hill of beans because they don't know their own hearts. And the heart is deceitful. Who knows the heart? Who can understand the heart? God can, right? So when you get to know who God is, then you can know and understand your heart and your desires. And God can place you where you need to be. He can direct you. I said earlier that desire is a clear director from God, right? You don't have those passions for nothing. You don't have those excitements and, you know, you guys get what I'm saying. Those ain't for nothing. God doesn't do anything for nothing, right? So our hearts can be evaluated by what moves us what excites us what upsets uh, upsets us and what passion what we're passionate about so we need a heart like god's a godly a godly heart so do you care about the things of god you know how much do you really care for the things of god you know bringing him glory in this world bringing him glory 24 7 pleasing him always you know do you care about his mission right expanding his kingdom and bringing heaven here on earth like i said earlier so or are you busy uh be are you so busy being blessed? You know, are you so busy being busy? Are you content? Are you comfortable? Right? And, and are you so comfortable, so content, so blessed, and so busy that you're not concerned for the things of God, really? Right? So what are you concerned about? The things of God or just the things you care about? Because shouldn't you be concerned about the things of God? And this is Nehemiah. A lot of people in Israel did not have the right concerns. They did not have the right desires. Like, do they care about Jerusalem? Sure, sure, yeah. But that's not really care if you don't act on it, right? You don't really do something about it. Nehemiah, again, was a cupbearer in Persia. He's 800 to 1,000 miles away from Jerusalem. He doesn't need to care about Jerusalem. He got it good. He's in a palace, for God's sake, right? Like, so <laughs> he got it. He can eat food. He's with the king. He gets everything the king gets. So, because again, a cupbearer has to always be around the king. I'm going to really articulate that later on in the book of Nehemiah, but the cupbearer had to be with the king 24-7 everywhere he went. So he's really like his uh, organizer, basically, his supervisor, whatever you want to call it. But anyways, like, uh, I forgot what I was going to say, but basically, guys, like, Nehemiah's heart broke so much for the things of God that he actually did something, even though he really didn't have to, like, He's in the palace, man. He's a cupbearer. Uh, Justin, you got anything, man? Yeah, that's kind of jumping before, too, because you're talking about the things that Nehemiah was compassionate for. I think that really relates to, like, 
Jesus's character as well. I think we are all aiming to be Christ-like. And it's just Nehemiah's reaction made me think of Jesus' reaction when the people tried to come to him because they wanted to listen to him. They wanted to uh, be with him. And the books say, like, he had compassion in his gut, like compassion from the bowels of his inside. And like in the translations for that, try to portray how deep of a feeling Jesus had for those people because Jesus was doing his own thing at the time, but because those people showed up, he had such a compassion for them as well. I think it's very important to be open to compassion because yeah, sometimes we feel it, but we also have to be in the right mindset for it as well. I know Yao and I were listening to this marriage conference where I was saying like, when we listen to our partner's troubles or they do something that um, really, really tells you about who they are, what they were a long time ago. Like if a couple has been around for a long time and something like that throws them off, a lot of times it's easy for them to show contempt, which is a real marriage killer. But so you have to really be open to compassion and understanding of that other person. So just the fact that Nehemiah felt compassion for these people just shows that he was very open for it. He was very open to what Sean was saying, to like do something about it, to actually put himself in the opportunity of the Jerusalem people. So I, I, I feel like that was more for verse 4. But yeah, just the fact that he's like weeping and mourning and fasting and praying for these people really shows that he's in the mindset that God wants him to be like in the mindset where he's not concentrated on himself, but others. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, man. Like I'm going to read verse four because I, I totally agree. I was going to actually do that. Justin, I was going to say that verse four tied in with verse two because of the same, <laughs> the same reason in verse four of Nehemiah one reads, and it came to pass when I heard these words. So when Nehemiah heard these words that I sat down and I wept, and mourn a certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Like what Nehemiah heard in verse two, in verse in verse two devastated him. That Heniah, one of my brethren, came and he and a certain men of Judah, Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Like he was just asking the questions, right? He doesn't live there, right? And what did he hear? The remnant that are and they said to unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. They got no protection. They got no help. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But that is so sad. Like, Nehemiah got it good and living in luxury. He has protection. His walls ain't broken down. Like, he, he got all the king's horsemen and all the king's men. Like, he, he got it good. But God's city, God's people, they don't got this. That's that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. So do you sit down and weep like Nehemiah of the broken things of this world that you see going on? You know, when you look around in the world today, what do you get upset about? There should be a lot of stuff that accept, upsets you. Like, oh, my gosh, like, this world is awful. Just I'm going to throw out a few examples. Like, just seeing marriages fall apart. That should, that should hurt you to the core. I think the divorce rate, we Google it right now, it's up to 75%. It's high, right? And then the family is being attacked. The traditional family, the way that God intended the family to be, it's falling apart. That don't even exist no more, really. Like, 
It used to be common. It used to be like, you know, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but you guys know what I mean. It used to be the thing, but it used to be the status quo. That's not even a thing no more, right? It's falling apart. The world's moving further and further away from godliness, right? Churches who aren't really teaching the word of God, like you just show up there and you're bored. Like, <laughs> you don't get anything from the church. They just expect you to be there. I don't, you, the choirs don't even, they sing like lollygag. Like they don't even have no effort into it. Like what, what is that? What is that? You're going to be praising the Lord. You set the tone for the whole church service, how the whole church service is going to be. And that's how you're going to sing, sing praises to God. Like, oh my gosh. Like the lies, the games, the self-motives people have in politics and religion and churches. Like this, this, this world is jacked up. Let me really talk about it. Just working it. Working for money, I think it's so sad. Imagine this world if we didn't have to work at all. Like, and then when I say that, I'm saying for money, just for money. Like, imagine what life would be like if you didn't need money to live. How you could just live in your purpose, right? Like, just having to work for money to an extent limits us. It puts us in a box from really experiencing life. You guys get what I'm saying? For really living in purpose, that nine to five life. That's what I'm attacking. Right? That's of the devil, man. I can't stand it. <laughs> but you guys get what I'm saying, man. Like, um, you know, one, one of my main points I was going to say is the more we know God and the closer we grow to him, the more we will care about the things he cares about. Right? So the closer you walk with God, the more you care about what he cares about. But on the contrary, right? On the flip side, if you look at our, if you, if we look at our lives and we realize that we do not really care about the things that God cares about, then there's a problem, right? That just shows that, you know, you're you're in a relationship problem with God, right? Because your relationship with God dictates everything, right? Your relationship with Jesus dictates everything. You got a horizontal relationship with God and it dictates all your vertical relationship relationships. So if all your vertical relationships suck, with, I mean, with your family, with your friends, with the people, your, your co-workers and everything, and you want, and people just think you're rootless and you have no love in you, it's because your horizontal relationship's messed up with God, right? It makes a cross, by the way. You got a horizontal relationship with everybody else, and you got a, um, you got a horizontal relationship with God. You got a vertical relationship with everybody else, right? So it makes a cross, like I said. So, yeah, so your relationship with God is the most important relationship out of all relationships, right? And it indicates where your heart is and where you really are, your state with him, and with everybody, that's the first commandment, right? The first two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This is the first and the greatest commandment and the second like unto it. If you don't love the Lord your God all my, with all your heart, mind, and soul, with all your being, with everything in you, then you're not going to love your neighbor as you love yourself because you don't love yourself. You don't see God. You don't see yourself the way God sees you, right? Your relationship with God is the most important. So are you tight with God and are you in right standing with God? So Nehemiah obviously is tight with God. Because he had a burden that God had a burden for. And that's how you know you're tight with God. If you, if you got a burden and something's breaking your heart, that what breaks God's heart, right? So Nehemiah was tight with God because in spite of all his luxury and comfort, he still cared for the things of God. He still wanted to do something, you know, for the things of God, right? So, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Justin, you got anything else, man, before I go? Yeah, to the next I thought point? you mentioned that because um, we, I believe we mentioned it before as well. Like when the Israelites tried to go back to Jerusalem and build their city again, and they tried to build the gates or their temples, like what did what did Hanani say? Like he said that he was in great trouble and disgrace. The walls were broken down, 
and the gates were burned with fire. Like, if we look at the history a little bit, they did exactly the opposite of what Sean's been talking about, that Nehemiah's been doing. They went into it without God. And, like, it worked for a little while, but then, like, you had these nations attack them, and they didn't have God's backing behind it. What did we say about King Cyrus? Like, he was he was being led by God, and that's why he was a successful king, even though he wasn't the he wasn't the first people's choice, but because he had God's backing, everything he did was prosperous. But what does Nehemiah do that the Israelites didn't do? They went to God first. Like he mourned and he wept and he prayed to God in verse four. Um, and I think that's a I think that really supports what Sean was saying, because not only do we see what you're supposed to do with Nehemiah. You also get a glimpse of what you're not supposed to do with the Israelites when they try to do things their own way. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, I actually want to read the NIV for Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. So, Hananiah, yeah, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that has survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Like, that part is so powerful. That had survived. The exile. Survive, guys. That, that, come on. The people were called survivors. The Israelites, God's people, <laughs> are called survivors. Are you a survivor? I'm a survivor. I'm not a girl. Like, come on. This was not a hopeful title, guys. A survivor? Come on. Like, does the Bible say you're, you know, all y'all called to be survivors? Like, just survive, right? Here goes a quote. I'm just going to spoil it. I saw this quote, Justin, it made me mad. Like, it said, if all you did was survive, that is enough. Right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, depends on the situation. Sometimes, yeah, you have to survive. But no, we, we live this life because we want to thrive. Right. I didn't mean to interrupt. You go on. No, nah, yeah. no. Nah, like, that's the whole point. Like, in the, yeah, I'm just going to spoil it, man. Like, surviving isn't living, right? Just surviving isn't living, right? So you weren't meant to just live, right? I just quoted that and tweeted that and posted it on my Instagram, my Twitter, on my social media pages. I said, you weren't meant to just live. You were intended, you weren't intended just to get by, right? God didn't create anyone to live for the weekend, right? A lot of people just live for the weekend. And that's when they live. But Monday through Friday, it's just, Monday through Thursday, it's just depressing. Like, they just, it's awful, especially Mondays, right? But, like, that's what I was saying, the nine-to-five life. It takes away from the joy of life. It takes away from what God really wants for you, man. God meant for us to thrive, right? Don't just survive. Life is not about surviving. It's about thriving, right? So, like, what's the scripture verse to back up, back to the one of them is Romans 8, 37. Nay, in all things we are, you know, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who that loves us. We are only conquerors because God made us conquerors. Another person, like, I think it's 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. It says that uh, we are more than overcomers, right? Like, something like that. Like, we're overcomers according to the word, you know, through Christ Jesus. So we're called to be overcomers. We're called to be conquerors. Like, God wants us to be experiencing and living in victory. Like, experiencing victory. Was the Israelites in Nehemiah chapter 1 experiencing victory? Or were they living in defeat, right? <laughs> Were they surviving or were they thriving? Nehemiah's friend, his brethren just said it, his people. He, they came back to with the report to him and said, the people are surviving. The remnant are surviving. Surviving? 
We should be thriving. So are you surviving or are you thriving? That's the life application, guys. Like, this is a deep question for all of us. You know, we see in verse two that the people lived in constant. The next verse, verse three says it. And I think it said it a little bit in verse two. It said that the people lived in constant, continual distress and constant disgrace and reproach. They were ashamed, like living only as survivors. That is depressing, guys. So God has more for us than just to be mere survivors. You know, God not only wants us to be conquerors, but more than conquerors to him who loved us, right? You shouldn't just conquer one thing. You shouldn't just conquer some things. Like, no, you should conquer all things through Christ Jesus, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, right? So, like, everything you face in life, you should be receiving the victory from it, even when you lose, right? The righteous fall down seven times, but we get back up eight, right? That's another scripture verse. So, like, we should be getting back up again. It says that the righteous, that's for the righteous, but everybody else, the wicked, they stumble when calamity strike. They don't get back up. They stay down because they don't got nobody else to lift them up. We got Jesus lifting us up. We got Jesus getting us back up again. We could try again. Like, that's the... <laughs> That's that video we did, Justin. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, yeah, so verse three of Nehemiah chapter one, I'm not going to read it again, but the, verse three of Nehemiah chapter one said that the people were in great distress and reproach. The walls of the city itself were broken down and the city gates were burned with fire. That is awful. Like, come on. Like me and Justin, we talk about it a lot on my YouTube channel. I have a playlist on my YouTube channel titled God speaks through creation. Like, let me go to the, let me find it. Yeah, God speaks through creation. Check out this playlist, please. Like, because God is speaking through creation. He's telling us how he operates in this world. And, and when we did Revelations chapter 21 and 22, me and Justin, when we tore up these Bible studies right here, man, we talked about how the, the new heaven and the new earth and the new world order and the new Jerusalem, how it's going to be in the end times and the eternal state. The last two chapters of the Bible says it says how all life's going to be for all eternity for believers who believe and trust in Jesus. And God was speaking through creation throughout that whole text. And this is how he speaks through creation in our text today. Like the the uh, God city was in a bad condition. Right. <laughs> and the, a city in a bad condition indicated that they had a bad relationship with their God because walls in the Bible. Uh, in in the Bible into the ancient world symbolized basically that um, you know your relationship with your God, right? That's how it, that's why they looked at it in ancient time period. The people looked at other nations, and you know they affiliated their them those other nations with their gods, and they knew that the people of God, the Israelites, they only had one God. Every other nation had many gods, so they knew that this one God conquered all the other nations. They knew that this one guy parted the Red Sea and got rid of world powers before, the Egyptians, for the Israelites, the small, weak, feeble, and vulnerable people who needed help. In this city, God speaking through creations, the walls down. And they and we see that the city, that means the city's weak and vulnerable and needs help. So the bad state of the people and the bad state of the city walls were uh, intimately connected, right? So walls in modern times, obviously walls are definite things. They're immovable and they're strong. And that shows that God, God is definite and movable and strong, right? So our our walls and our lives, right? Our gates 
should be up. It should be strong, right? We should be disciplined. We shouldn't, we shouldn't just let anything come in, right? We shouldn't just listen, we shouldn't just let any kind of thought come in, right? We need to take captive every thought. We need to take captive anybody that's meant to harm us, meant to destroy us, meant to stop God's work through us. Like those people gotta go. We need to be immovable in our faith, right? So the walls may provide us safety, right? But just as often, walls can show that they they can show and be symbols of entrapments or a source of imprisonment or division. So, you know, it it could also show that you know a wall could be symbolized as something that needs to be broken down or overcome, right? So it's two different ways to look at a wall. So you're probably right now feel like you're in a season that you can't change. You're in a season that's and you're in a state that's going to last a long time, and you're in a state that only God can change, right? That could be your situation right now. So you're you're facing a wall. You you hit a wall. Right. So there's different ways to look at walls. But, you know, walls in the Bible, again, there's structures that there's structures that protect, provide, providing security and represent a place of shelter, forming a sense of belonging. So in the ancient world, a city without walls was a city completely open and vulnerable to any, any, its enemies attacks. Right. The people in Jerusalem had no defense, and no protection at all. The unwalled city was always vulnerable and unable to safely house people and valuables. Right. If there were anything of value in an unwalled city, it was stolen away easily because there was no defense to stop it. So the temple being rebuilt 70 years before Nehemiah. Right. 70 years before Nehemiah. Right. It was made beautiful, but it was nothing like the other temple because they feared that other people was going to come in and take the valuable things that the temple possessed. Right. So they, yeah. they didn't make the temple as great as it was before. They didn't make the walls even. The Nehemiah rebuilt in 52 days because of God's help, right? He did, Even the walls weren't as great and as high as they were during David's and Solomon's time. So, yeah, those living in an unwalled city are in constant stress and tension, and they never yeah. knew when they might be attacked or brutalized. So every man lived in constant fear, he and his wives and his children. Man, that is so sad, man. Like, is this what God wants for us? Like, no. <laughs> That's a heck to the no. And the life allocation is like, you know, the whole book of Nehemiah is talking about walls. It's talking about rebuilding walls, rebuilding the gates. The gates were down. The gates were burned. The gates to enter into God's city, to enter into where God dwells. Those were down, right? All that was there was the temple. God is always there, right? We're there too. We're the temple of God, right? We're God dwells in so we're there right but like the city walls were down god's protection right so that's the application in our lives is is like what are you letting in into your city right into your temple right nothing can just come into the temple you gotta have walls up you gotta have protection and you gotta have uh boundaries and guardrails and just walls up to protect you from certain things and only you know what those things are like uh, we talked about Nehemiah chapter 3. I can spoil everything because I've already been through the study. But in Nehemiah chapter 3, it talked about 10 gates in Jerusalem. You got the sheep gate. You got the fish gate. Tell me you don't say the Christian things. The sheep gate, the fish gate. Just guess what those are. You already know. Like, just guess. Right? Then you got the horse gate. You got the east gate. You got the um, water gate, the fountain gate. What does that sound like? Revelations 21, 22, right? So like, <laughs> you got all these different gates that symbolize the spiritual life, spiritual progression, spiritual maturity, just how it is in a Christian life. And these gates were down. They were burned. The walls were down. They were in ruins. The city was in ruins. 
guys, does your life feel like it's in ruins? Does your life feel like it's in chaos? Did, are you confused at all? Like, God doesn't want God doesn't want that for you. You shouldn't just be surviving in this life. You should be thriving. And in order to thrive, you got to protect yourself. You got to have discipline. Discipline is a fruit of the spirit. If you don't have these fruits of the spirit, obviously you're not one of God's children because the fruits of the spirit will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What are the fruits of the spirit? You know, faith, love, temperance, meekness, humility, um, self-control, long-suffering, endurance, perseverance, right? Like these are some of the fruits of the spirits. And like, you're not going to have any of these fruits of the spirits. I mean, these, well, before I even say that, you need the fruits of the spirits in order to face off against the enemies of God. Like the, when Nehemiah went to go rebuild the walls, he had to face enemies that, that, were, that were hurt and burdened and furious that somebody would even try to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem again. They were mm -hmm. mad that anybody would even come to help out the Israelites. What? <laughs> it pissed them off. Some people are pissed off about God's work. Some people are mad that God, when God has his way on this earth, but you still, the walls still need to be rebuilt. The work still has to be done. You want to know what happened? When Nehemiah first went to uh, Jerusalem from Persia, from Susa, right? Well, from Susa. Like when he first went to uh, Jerusalem, he faced the enemies immediately. They were immediately there trying to stop the work. Every day they were consistent, right? And what Nehemiah had to do, he had to put up guardrails. He had to put up protection. He had to not just pray about it, which he prayed about it before he did anything, every time. But he didn't just pray about it. He actually acted on it. He actually did something. We're going to talk about that, especially in the next video. But it's something you all, you see how, this is why we did verse by verse and just focus on one verse per study because you can go everywhere with it, right? Just, I'm, I'm talking too much, man. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Thank you. Just <laughs> What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, just I like what you're saying about the wall, though. Too like a big part of the culture back then, and throughout the Old Testament, you see a lot of analogies. You see a lot of parables that talk about a fortress, stronghold, or the walls or the gates. And back then, the walls and the gates signified like the security of a country, like the ability to resist attacks from other from other countries or from invaders or for like warring kingdoms and if you had like no wall you were out of you were out of luck i think that really represented how jerusalem was constantly being attacked by um other countries like they they didn't have god on their side so not only did they not have a physical stronghold they didn't have a spiritual stronghold to lean back on as well so i feel like that is really supposed to represent the tough time that they've had because man the jerusalem did not have a good history like they every time they defied god they were pretty much left at the mercy of whoever was in power at the time i think sean was saying like first it was babylon and then it was persia so it just they pretty much had to, the remnants had to go with whoever was in power back then that's a really scary thing i think in real life as well as to be caught up in today's world like it's something i've been talking with some other people about is sometimes it's difficult to stand up for what you really believe in in the face of a lot of adversities a lot of naysayers because one you might not have the confidence that what you believe in is actually right and two like it's 
just getting hit by a lot of opposition can be hard. And you really have to de defend that. But when we have God on our side, like he's supposed to be our stronghold for that. Um, but Jerusalem just didn't have that stronghold. So they, they didn't have a leg to stand on, unfortunately. So I just like that Im imagery that this is what Nehemiah is trying to fix. Like he knows they've gone against God. And that's, I'm, I won't say too much into it. I'll wait till we actually get into the verses of the prayer. But that's what I like about his prayer is like, he's very humble. He says they didn't do the right things first. Mm -hmm. They did things their own way. They've sinned. They've gone against God, but he's still pleased that with God, that they can be found again, that they can be saved, that they can get that stronghold from God. Yeah. Man, it's so much to share, man. Like just what you're saying, the last part, a lot of people with God's blessings just because, right? That's and, true. And what's sad is they think they can live any type of way, right? And do anything they want and still get receive God's blessing. And just this context right here, like the people lived, did the exact same thing. And history repeats itself. And the Bible is a collection of a lot of people failing. Actually, everybody failing in some type of way. And God either restoring them, helping them because they repented or not doing that, not helping them not restoring them because they didn't repent. Like Nehemiah had to turn to God, right? And what's funny is Nehemiah didn't even do anything. Like Nehemiah, he, yeah, he's an Israelite and yeah, he's one of them, but he didn't sin like they did. He didn't have the same sins. Like Justin said, he didn't really want to spoil it, but like with verse five and six, like Nehemiah repented for the whole people and he even repented for his household and himself. And what's funny, he didn't even, he wasn't even around when the Israelites sinned in, that, in the heinous ways that they did for them to become captives to the Babylonians and then the Persians. And now the whole city destroyed. Everything was burned for 150 years, right? And God's people are spread out, right? So, but you can come back, you can come back again. You can be restored again. So whatever your mistakes are, right? Whatever your sins are, all you got to do is confess them, right? You got true confession, you got fake confession. You need to really confess your sins. And Nehemiah, before, dang, it's so hard not to spoil it, Justin. Nehemiah, right? Yeah, man. But Nehemiah, man, just go ahead and spoil it, man. We might as well just go there. Like Nehemiah, man, he repented on behalf of everybody, but he confessed his own sin. Even he knew he wasn't even right, right? And what did God do? Use him to do something that hasn't been done in 150 years, and they've been in the city for 90 years. Like, and there's a lot of stuff like that that needs to be done in this world, man. There's a lot of corruption and a lot of uh injustices a lot of stuff need to happen right for everybody like and, and god wants to use somebody he can use you but you gotta be willing to be used you gotta say yes you gotta be willing to do the work right a lot of people think they can just pray and don't do the work but no it goes hand in hand you gotta do both right you gotta do the work and you gotta pray right and then you can't just do the work even even like a lot of people just go ahead and thrust themselves into work and thrust themselves to act Without praying, they both go hand in hand. And Nehemiah is a person who shows us the balance of the Christian life and how we need to pray before we act. And we don't just need to pray, we need to act, right? And before we act, we need to pray. Like Nehemiah prayed before any any and everything. Like, guys, you should really count how many times he said, and I pray to God, and I pray before God, and I beseech to live at the, the God of heaven, 
right? The great and terrible God in verse five of Nehemiah chapter one. Like Nehemiah prayed consistently, and to really paint the picture, you don't see the time period really, but he he does say it a little bit when he talks about the months. Like in verse one, he said in the month of Chisla in verse one and Nehemiah chapter one, and then verse two he said in another month. I forgot what the the name is, but anyways, uh, it's a span of four months. So he prayed for four months before he even went to the king, and then. But when he finally did get to the city, six months after talking to the king, right? Well, it was six months after talking to the king. But six months after praying and the first message he got from Hananiah and his brother and stuff like that, right? So he didn't go back. He didn't go to Jerusalem, which was 800 miles to 1,000 miles from him where he was. And he didn't go until six months after that. And when he finally did go, went there, um, he inspected the city for three days. So basically he didn't act on anything without praying, without inspecting, without examining, without really counting the cost, without building. And that's what we need to do, guys. That's the application today. Like, this is a heart for God. It's testing your faith. It's testing and examining your heart, examining your life, and really discerning everything. This is the Christian life. Like, you guys see, there's just so much to take from it. Like, we can't say everything. Like, <laughs> but yeah, that's the best I can do, man. Like, I'm just going to shut up because I can just keep on talking. Justin, you got anything else, man? Um, No, not for these verses, actually. Not that I have in my notes. All right. Yeah, but we, like I said, guys, man, like, with the book of Nehemiah, like, just for me, I'm pretty sure it's for you, the same for you, Justin. Like, if I went through the whole chapter, like, that'll probably be a 20-hour video. Like, I don't have enough energy enough time of the day to do a whole video on that like <laughs> on the whole book of nehemiah chapter one so like i had to divide it in the verses and tear up the verses just like we did in this video right to just say what the whole chapter is talking about because every verse ties in with each other and yeah that's just that's just how the book of nehemiah is i'm not gonna say every chapter in the bible is like that but with nehemiah man it's just so many topics you can talk about with one verse right and really pull out so much application to how we should be operating in this life, man. Because God wants you to experience heaven here on earth, man. He wants you to be experiencing him. And the people of God were missing this in Nehemiah's time period, right? And God wanted to change that. And what who did he use to do it? Nehemiah. So maybe God's trying to do that with you, right? Your church is missing something and it's breaking your heart. God wants you to do something about it, right? You, you In your workplace, <laughs> You got a bad boss. You got bad coworkers. I don't know your situation. Like, God placed a burden in your heart. Maybe you shouldn't be there, right? Nehemiah, he was in Persia, 800 miles, 1,000 miles from Jerusalem. I think later on in the book of Nehemiah, we'll see that he became like a, a governor or, or mayor or something like that in Jerusalem somewhere. But I don't know. Like, But either way, guys, whatever situation you're in in this life, whatever walls, whatever season you feel like you're stuck at and that's firm and it's not going to move, God can move it. He can change it just like he did with a lot of other people before you, right? So God, man, God is a good God, man. Like stop living in him. Stop living what he can do. And yeah, this is the text, man. There's so much, man. I'm done talking. All right. So <laughs> it's just it's just too much, man. All right. So guys, thanks for tuning in. I pray you are blessed by our study on Nehemiah chapter one, verse two today we got we're going through the whole book of nehemiah we got a lot more work to do me and justin so pray for us and pray that 
God helps us to do the work, man, because we got work on top of this. And this should be our work, but you know, like I said, the nine to five life earlier. That's what we got. I, I want to see these comments, man. Did you have you ever read the comments at all, Justin? Can you see them? Hey, let me take a look. I gotta see a lot of stuff from Kimberly. Yeah, thanks, Kimberly, for commenting. Yeah, you rock. Yeah, she said one of. I'm thinking she's saying Nehemiah is one of her favorite books in the Bible. He's truly a has a man. He's a man for God. He has a heart for God in the midst of heavy storms. Yeah. So, and that's what we got to do, man. We got to have a heart for God in the midst of whatever storms we face. Like we shouldn't just praise God and serve God when it's good. We should serve God even when it's bad, right? God's still God when it's good, and He's still God, and He's and He's still good when it's bad. Like, yeah. So I just want to throw that out there. All right, I'm done. I'm done, guys. More studies to come, Lord willing. All right, so you already know the drill. Go to my social media platforms. Uh, let me go to them real quick. I got the most amazing social media pages ever, if I could ever get to them, wherever it is. Got so many presentations going on. All right, so here goes my social media platforms. All right, so Upload Past Crossroads is my YouTube channel, my podcast. And, yes, I do, we do Bible studies every Friday at 7 Sometimes before 7 p.m. Central time, and we both live in Nashville. He lives in Alabama now, but I live in Tennessee. All right, but anyways, that's beside the point. 7, 7 p.m., we're doing verse by verse in the book of Nehemiah. And because Kimberly asked, on my YouTube channel, all right, we have playlists already on every book we done, we're going to do in the book of Nehemiah and every the whole book of Nehemiah, right? So it's on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads right here. So you can go, if you go to our playlist, you can listen to all the sermons and Bible studies and my future animations that I'll be doing on the book of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah 1 and then the book of Nehemiah. And then, again, my, play, my YouTube channel is Upload Past Crossroads. And for everybody else, my other social media platforms, go to them. Please follow me, like, comment, share. All right, I got to hurry up with that. And then Justin's wonderful social media pages, Chaplain's Log. It's his YouTube channel. Turn on the post notifications so you know when he uploads another video, like all his videos, comment, and share. And then this is his Facebook page, Justin Lee Howell. You can befriend him on there. So, guys, if you got any questions, if you got any concerns, if you want us to do a Bible study on something, just let us know. Send us a DM on our Facebook page or our, uh, any other social media pages. All right, guys, I'll talk to you later. You guys have a good one. Happy Friday. And I pray in Jesus' name you overcome every obstacle you're facing in your life right now you have ever faced and you will ever face. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Peace out.